Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's results or remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Thank you. Mr. Mark Davis, President and Chief Executive Officer, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. In these truly unprecedented circumstances, I hope you are all safe and well and we thank you for joining us today. Before I commence the review, I would like to remind you our presentation contains certain forward-looking statements that are based on current expectations and are subject to a number of uncertainties and risks, and actual results may differ materially. Further information identifying risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, and additional information on certain non-IFRS measures referred to in this call can be found in the disclosure documents filed by Chemtrade with the Securities Regulatory Authorities available at SADAR.com. One of the non-IFRS measures we'll refer to on this call is adjusted EBITDA, which is EBITDA modified to exclude only non-cash items such as unrealized foreign exchange gains and losses. For simplicity, we will just refer to it as opposed to adjusted EBITDA. Both of these terms are fully defined in our MDNA. COVID-19 has turned all of our worlds upside down. We are all affected in one way or another, and we send our sincere best wishes to all of you to stay safe and to stay healthy. As usual, Rohit really Bardwaj is on the call today, but due to the pandemic, we are doing this call virtually and are in different locations. Chemtrade, as you may be aware, falls under the essential business classification under the U.S. state and Canadian provincial orders. Our employees' health and safety have been our highest priority as all of our operations have continued. We've implemented measures to ensure that our employees can continue to can continue their work safely and that we can continue to supply our customers. I would like to start this call by thanking each member of our workforce for their dedication and performance during these trying times. Specifically, I want to acknowledge and thank them for their adherence to all the safety precautions we put in place, watching out for each other and their individual efforts in the communities where they live. They have truly been outstanding. In this morning's call, Rohit will provide a brief review of our first quarter results and an update on liquidity. As you will note from our news release yesterday, our Q1 results were not significantly affected by COVID-19. The focus on COVID and its future effects take our attention away from our first quarter results. Rohit will detail these, but from an operating sense, the improvements we implemented continue to bring benefits. SPPC sustained the improvements it realized in 2019. Our water business continued to improve, and our EC segment was affected by caustic pricing which will, in time, turn in our favor. The focus and concern over COVID minimizes the many challenges the business faced and overcame
came in the first quarter. This includes the rail blockade, which received a lot of press in Q1, but was another issue overcome by the business. And again, thanks to the improvements we made and the efforts of our employees. Following our hits review, I'll have some comments on the current economic environment for Chemtrade, and to the extent we can, some comments on our outlook for the balance of the year. Rohit? Thanks, Mark, and I hope everyone is doing well. Good morning. Before I comment on our first quarter results, I wanted to mention a non-cash item that affected our results. As we mentioned for the last number of quarters, our water business continues to improve and is one of our businesses in which demand should not be adversely affected by COVID-19. Having said that, and despite continually improving results, COVID-19 has resulted in everyone facing increasing business risks and thus a higher imputed cost of capital. Due to this increased cost of capital, we were required to record a goodwill impairment in our water business of $56 million. This morning's discussion will exclude this non-cash goodwill impairment charge. Looking first at the aggregate results for the first quarter of 2020, revenue was $366.9 million, a decrease of $18.4 million from 2019. The revenue decrease was primarily due to lower volumes of sulfuric acid in the sulfur products and performance chemicals, or SPPC segment, and lower prices for caustic soda and hydrochloric acid in the electrochem, or EC segment. These decreases more than offset higher selling prices for sulfuric acid and higher sales volume for water products. Aggregate EBITDA for the first quarter of 2020 was $80.9 million compared with $44 million in the first quarter of 2019, which included a $40 million litigation reserve. For the first quarter this year, EBITDA for our businesses was $10.4 million lower than last year, and ignoring the litigation reserve, corporate expenses were $7.3 million better. Distributable cash after maintenance capital expenditures for the first quarter was $38.2 million or 41 cents per unit. As announced on March 11th, effective with our March distribution, which was paid on April 30th, we reduced our distribution rate to 5 cents per unit, making distributions declared for the first quarter 25 cents per unit. Now turning to segmented results for the quarter, SPPC generated revenue of $113 million compared with $131.1 million in 2019. EBITDA for the quarter was $34.6 million, which was $2.9 million lower than 2019. Selling prices for merchant sulfuric acid were higher this year. This higher, higher prices for merchant acid allowed us to maintain our margins for asset products, even though we received substantially less volume from our byproduct suppliers. For the segment as a whole, EBITDA was slightly down from last year as the steady margins for acid products were offset by lower contributions from sodium hydrosulfite and sulfur. Our water solutions and specialty chemicals segment, or WSSC, reported first quarter revenue of $113.3 million compared with $105.4 million in 2019. EBITDA substantially improved to $25.7 million 
from the $18.1 million generated in 2019. Our water products continue to improve, contributing about half of the segment's year-over-year -year improvement. The improvement was driven by increased alum selling price and volume, while our raw material costs remained stable. Our other water products also enjoyed generally higher volumes and prices. During the first quarter, as a result of changes in the uh, macroeconomic conditions, we did record a $5,600 goodwill impairment charge. Although this CGU's operating performance has been improving, this higher discount rate resulted in this goodwill impairment. Within the segment, specialty chemical EBITDA was higher than 2019, primarily due to stronger results from phosphorus pentasulfide or T2S5. While our water products should continue to have success over the balance of the year, the outlook for P2S5 is not as positive as we expect demand for automotive lubricants, which is the end market for P2S5, for the balance of the year to be adversely affected by COVID-19. Our EC segment reported revenue of $140.5 million for the first quarter of 2020, which was $8.2 million lower than the same period of 2019. The lower revenue was due to lower selling prices for caustic soda and lower volume and prices for hydrochloric acid. <clears throat> Despite the end market diversification we have achieved, HCL volume continued to struggle due to the downturn in the fracking industry. From an EBITDA perspective, EBITDA of $32.9 million for the first quarter of 2020 was $15.2 million lower than the same period of 2019. This was primarily due to lower selling prices for both caustic soda and HCL. Our Brazil operation also reported lower EBITDA compared with the same period last year. Maintenance capex in the first quarter were $11 million. Maintenance capex in 2020 is difficult to predict, primarily because of the uncertainty of being able to find contractors to carry out the work due to the pandemic. If we are able to hire contractors, we estimate maintenance capex of about $80 million for 2020, although it is quite possible that we will not spend the entire amount. Excluding unrealized foreign exchange gains, corporate costs during the first quarter of 2020 were $12.4 million compared with $59.7 million in the first quarter of 2019. 2019 costs include the $40 million litigation reserve. Even excluding this reserve, 2020 costs were $7.3 million lower, primarily due to lower incentive compensation accruals. Turning to liquidity, which we know is high on everyone's agenda, we maintain ample liquidity. Between cash on hand and our undrawn revolving facility, we have approximately US $200 million available as liquidity. Regarding debt maturity, we have no maturities within the next 12 months. Our senior credit facility does not mature until October of 2024. We are in compliance with all our bank covenants. Further, in light of the current uncertain economic climate, we have negotiated an amended covenant package on our senior credit facility, which provides us with additional covenant room over the next two years. I'll now hand the call back to Mark. Mark? Thanks, Rohit. Uh, because it's so topical these days, I wanted to underscore what Rohit just noted, which is that we do not have any liquidity concerns and are in compliance with all of our bank covenants. Despite these uncertain times, we'll try to provide some relevant information about the balance of 2020. Recall that in early 2020, we issued guidance for the year that we have now suspended. 
and a high level, the midpoint of our guidance would have resulted in Chemtrade generating sufficient cash to satisfy all of our obligations and to cover our historical distribution rate of $1.20 per year. We became aware of the potential economic effects of COVID-19. We moved aggressively to possession Chemtrade for this downturn. After 13 years of maintaining a distribution rate of 10 cents per month, we reduced our monthly distribution by 50%. This increased our liquidity by about $55 million a year. Subject to all the uncertainties I will discuss, we expect that we will generate sufficient distributable cash during this unprecedented year to satisfy all of our obligations and to sustain our current distribution rate. The uncertainty of this pandemic makes it very difficult to estimate future earnings with any degree of specificity. This lack of specificity is what led us to withdraw our guidance. Since the chemical industry is an essential industry, our facilities have continued to operate. Our team has done an outstanding job throughout this pandemic, operating safely, overcoming obstacles, and keeping our customers supplied. In our case, it's not a question of whether we can continue to operate or whether there will be demand for our products. The question is how much will demand be affected by the shutdown or slowdown of much of the economy and how long will this stay last? Although we are still in very uncertain times, we have now been through a couple of months of widespread restrictions and, and have had time to talk to our customers. While we, while we will not yet be reinstituting guidance, we can make some comments on how the pandemic is affecting our business in the second quarter and how it may affect the balance of the year. At the highest level, our two largest concerns caused by COVID are its effect on the oil and gas industry and the ability for Chemtrade and its customers to perform maintenance turnarounds safely during COVID. Having said that, certain segments of our business, such as our products that help purify drinking water, are not suffering from reduced demand during the pandemic. Turning to some more specifics, in the Outlook section of our MDNA, we set out the following. While we can no longer provide definitive guidance, a definitive guidance EBITDA range, we can give you our current view of certain of our guidance assumptions. Our current views of these assumptions could be wrong, and we specifically caution that this is a very fluid situation. Our comments below are based largely on input from our customer base, which can and likely will change over time. Accordingly, the following comments should be read with extreme care, and given the fluidity of the situation, we will not update these comments until our next MDNA. Comments on certain key elements contributing to Chemtrade's earnings are as follows. First, COVID-19 related restrictions substantially reduced demand for gasoline and thus demand for regen services. We expect this to have a significant negative effect in the second quarter of 2020 and will slowly improve over the balance of the year, but still ending the year well below normal demand. We expect that none of the principal manufacturing facilities set out in our, our annual information form suffer, will incur any significant unplanned downtime. However, due to the deferral of certain maintenance turnarounds and the future availability of contractors to perform the required maintenance, 
that could be an effect on the reliability of our operations. Key assumptions in our EC segment are as follows. We now expect North American MECU production volume of approximately 170,000 tons, limited primarily by demand for chlorine and HCL products. If demand for these products decreases further, our production will decrease. Conversely, if demand increases, production could be higher. We now expect the 2020 average caustic price will be stable for the year. North American production volume of sodium chlorate will be approximately 400,000 metric tons. We now think a foreign exchange rate of US 72 cents per Canadian $1. And we also expect our maintenance capital expenditures to raise about, to range about $80 million. Our ability to spend this amount is largely dependent on the availability of needed contractors. Our lease payments range between $5 and $60 million. Cash interest, excluding the impact of IFRS 16, should be between $70 and $75 million. And cash taxes between $5 and $10 million. So again, as a general statement, decreased demand from oil and gas industry is the main negative effect on chemtrade. This affects both our regen business, linked to refineries producing gasoline, and the fracking industry, which uses hydrochloric acid and is linked to production rates of our chloralkali plant. And I'll give you a, a little more color on those uh, on the assumptions I just laid out. First, starting with our SPPC segment, sulfuric acid. Recall that we sell acid to three markets, regen acid to the refining industry, merchant acid to the North American general industry, and ultra-pure acid to the semiconductor industry. For first, and perhaps most obvious area uh, that COVID affects us is refinery production. In a typical recession, cheaper crude oil, hence cheaper gasoline prices at the pump, somewhat mitigate the effect of the recession, and therefore the reduction in refinery utilization rates is usually not too significant. Clearly, it's different this time, as with very few cars on the road, gasoline production is down substantially. It's very expensive for our major refinery customers to completely shut down. Therefore, we expect refineries to run at historically low rates, but that they will continue to operate. This affects our regen business. We believe that refineries will operate in Q2 at rates approximately 35% lower than last year, which is essentially the lowest rate our refinery customers can operate without fully shutting down their facilities. We expect a slight improvement in Q3 and for Q4 to be better than Q3, but still about 15% lower than what we had assumed in our original 2020 guidance. The positive side of this is that as the economy regains its footing and people start to drive more, we expect refineries' production rates will improve, and with that, so will our regen earnings. We believe this is a direct COVID-related downturn, and it will be remedied as the effect pandemic lessons. Merchant sulfuric acid demand is also down due to the general reduction in industrial manufacturing activity, 
As we have noted before, sulfuric acid is one of the main raw materials for the production of water treatment chemicals. This lets us consider placing more of the sulfuric acid we generally sell to the industrial market into our own water chemical business instead of sourcing from third parties. Despite our ability to self-supply, we believe that the extreme slowdown of industrial demand will be a downside in the second quarter and a lesser extent to the third quarter for merchant acid. We expect that by the fourth quarter, there will be sufficient demand between self-supply and general industry demand that we will return to more normal earnings. Finally, ultra-pure acid. To date, our customers have not indicated any change to their operations, and thus our demand for this product should continue unaffected by COVID. So as a general statement, in our SPPC segment, the most significant effect of COVID-19 should be the downturn in refining operating rates. We believe that Q2 will see the most significant effect and it should slowly improve over the rest of the year. Turning to our EC segment, I wanna comment on both of these main products. On both of its main products, chloralkali and chlorate. First, chloralkali. As noted, the biggest COVID-related effects are from the oil and gas industry. SPPC is affected by refined operating rates. Uh, EC is affected by activity in the fracking industry. Our original guidance forecast MECU production was 190,000 tons in 2020. Recall that we must make and sell either chlorine or HCL in order to make and sell caustic. Thus, our operating rates are determined by the chlorine or hydrochloric acid that we can sell. Our original guidance was based on converting about 39% of our chlorine into HCl. HCl is a key component in fracking oil and gas and is a major end market for us. In 2019, we actively and successfully diversified our HCL customer base, adding end-use customers outside the fracking industry. Nevertheless, we still intended to sell approximately 40% of our HCL into the fracking industry. As a result of both COVID and low oil prices, the fracking industry has suffered a significant downturn. Our chlorine demand has increased which offsets some, but not all, of the HCL demand that has been lost. The result is that, again, based on our current views, our 2020 MECU production will be limited to 170,000 tons, or about 10% less than our original guidance due to lower chlorine HCL demand. For the co-product caustic soda, we had assumed Northeast Asia spot price uh, which is the key determinant of our pricing, would be flat for the first half of 2020 from where it ended in 2019, and that it would increase by about 15% over the second half of 2020. We still feel comfortable about our first half projection, but are now assuming that the index will be flat for the balance of the year. Over time, we will be able to more chlorine and the fracking industry should improve, but we do not foresee either of these events occurring for the balance of 2020. Longer term, as we have been saying, 
we believe that caustic pricing will increase for a number of years as the worldwide economy regains its footing and the macro caustic supply demand balances tighten up again. Turning to chlorate, again, as a reminder, sodium chlorate is used to bleach pulp. Bleach pulp is used to make paper, but also tissue, diapers, and similar uses. Our, with our suspended guidance detailed our assumption that we would sell 420,000 tons in 2020. To date, we are tracking this assumption, and our customers have indicated they expect some softness later this year. So we now expect to produce about 5% less chlorate than our original guidance. While tissue and related demand has been strong, there's been significant weakness of paper demand in North America. As noted, this will have a negative effect on us, but not to the same magnitude as the oil and gasoline downturns I've already discussed. And finally, I wanna make some brief comments on our water products. Not surprisingly, our water products, primarily used to treat drinking water, has seen no reduction in demand. This business continues to experience improved performance over its 2019 results. While this is good news, the improvement is not sufficient to offset the expected weaknesses in the rest of our businesses that I've outlined above. Those conclude our comments on demand expectations but I want to briefly comment on operations and foreign exchange. We announced last month that we had proposed, postponed the major turnaround of our North Vancouver plant. The same is true for our other plant turnarounds and for those of our customers. A plant turnaround requires a number of outside workers as well as a supply chain of parts and equipment. Until the COVID environment stabilizes, most of heavy industry has deferred what maintenance work they can. We are conducting whatever work we can to ensure that we operate safely. However, we do have a concern that as turnarounds are delayed, the reliability of our plants and our customers' plants could suffer. And finally, the only good news out of all of this, if you can call it that, is that the lower Canadian dollar helps us. Our original guidance had assumed a Canadian dollar valued at 77 cents, while it's now trading at roughly 71 and a half cents. This is expected to have a favorable impact of about $11 million for the last three quarters of 2020. However, this is dependent on how our business performs over the rest of the year and on changes in the exchange rate. So in summary, this year, we expect to generate sufficient distributable cash to satisfy our obligations and to fund our distributions. Demand for some of our products will suffer in 2020, while other products will not suffer. And we do expect that as the economy returns, demand will return to more normal rates and our earnings will improve. Thank you, operator. That concludes our remarks, and we'd be happy to answer any questions. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. And just a reminder, in order to ask a question, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment while we compile the Q&A roster. 
Your first question comes to the line of Bria Murphy of BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Hi, this is Bria Murphy on for Joel Jackson. Thanks for taking my question. Um, given limited COVID-19 related impacts in Q1 and obviously the expectation that some of your businesses will be materially impacted in the coming quarters, do you expect Q1 to represent the highest quarter for earnings for the year? Yes. Okay, thanks. Um, and then just maybe on the um, water business, obviously the margins were quite strong in the first quarter. Were there any one-time mix effects in Q1 and how sustainable do you think um, these strong margins are going forward? So, so we think the business, as we said, has improved and continues to improve. The, the one thing we are watching is whether or not some municipalities might have pre-ordered uh, to make sure their supply chain stayed strong in the, in the face of COVID. But most people don't have that much storage. So we expect the business to continue strong. Right? did you want to add anything? Uh, no, I think that's a fair comment, Mark. Yeah. Okay, and then just one last quick one for me. How do you expect corporate costs to trend um, in 2020 versus 2019 levels? So if you look at corporate costs, as we pointed out, they were really low in Q1. We had net reversals in our long-term incentive accruals. So our range uh, for uh, uh, you know, corporate costs is annually is about 65 to $70 million. We expect the same, keeping in mind that there is a, a U.S. component to our corporate costs. So with the lower Canadian dollar, uh, we will see uh, you know, uh, corporate costs being higher than they would have been last year, but they should still fall within that 65 to $70 million range. Thank you. And your next question comes to the line of Jacob Bout of CIBC. Your line is open. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, yeah, I wanted to start with the SPPC. Um, the volumes that you're seeing overall in that segment, in uh, how have they been in April versus what you saw in, in first quarter? Uh, l lower is they started trending down. I guess at, the, at right at the end of, of March, really. But yeah, April is is reflective of the comments we gave on guidance. Right, regen down substantially, merchant down around the edges. So thirty percent, forty percent. Is that what we should be thinking? Yeah, I think about? we said thirty. I think we said thirty-five percent for Regen. Okay. And then, um, has there been any improvement, or has it just steadily gotten worse as you kind of proceeded through to the second quarter? There's a lot of noise out there. Um, so look, we're only, uh, I guess, we guess for a month and a half into 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 the quarter, and we all watch the news and I think the thing I saw yesterday was 26 million more Americans were moving around last week than the week before. Right. So, you know, that should have, you know, if that keeps up, you know, is, is maybe the refineries have hit the trough. Um, but we've had some stuff that's been better and some stuff that's been worse. So it's, it's we'll just have to wait and see. And then can you remind us again, regen volumes as a percentage of overall SPPC? Sorry, right here. Yeah. Uh, we said about 40% or so uh, of uh, SPPC would be regen. Okay. Um, 
and then on the on the EC side, um, you know, as we think about North Van, um, how should we think about you know fixed versus uh, variable cost at North Van? Maybe I can take that one. So it's, uh, you know, we do uh, have a pretty high variable margin in that business. And the reality with most of our chemical plants is that, you know, so long as you're operating, even if you're operating at 75, 80% of capacity, there's really not much fixed cost that you can shed because, you know, these are automated plants and you tend to have a certain minimum crew that you run. So, while there may be some maintenance and some other costs, but by and large, the fixed costs kind of remain intact. Okay. And so you said up to 75%? No, no, I, I would, I mean, it's, it's maybe if you, you know, if you, because these plants are not designed to run, you know, less than 24 hour shifts by and large. So you do end up, you just turn it down. So you really won't shed costs unless you decide yeah. to start operating in a different manner. Yeah. You, you should assume our fixed costs are fixed, uh, are, are fixed, and actually the reduction in volume we actually talk about is, is pure margin hurt. We're not going to be able to save our way to to mitigate that in cost. Okay. And then yeah, you, he made a uh, uh, in the commentary on caustic prices. I think he said second quarter. Um, you know, prices should be you know relatively stable through the remainder of the year. Um, you know, and, and if we look at, you know, some of the industry publications, they talk about, you know, cost of prices moving higher in the U.S. Gulf. You know, how are cost of prices in second quarter versus what, you're, what you saw in first quarter for you? You know, cost, you know cost, of, cost of prices have, again, remember we, we are customers and we have a big reliance on what happens to that Northeast Asia index. And prices fell awfully far on that index, below actually where the year ended. But they've now started to come back, right? So, you know, is we've seen pretty stable caustic pricing through the year. And and as you heard from our comments, is that's kind of what we're assuming for the balance of the year. If you read the reports you're reading, and, and we do too, is it looks like there could be um, some more upward movement in caustic pricing as the chlorine derivatives have actually demand has fallen quicker. Um, and we look, we hope that that's so and hope that it lasts for a while, but we're assuming pricing is flat for the year. Okay. Uh, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thanks. And our next question comes from the line of David Newman of Desjardins. Your line is open. Good morning. This is Chile speaking in for David Newman. Uh, thank you very much Hi. for taking our questions. And uh, thank you for the caller earlier. Very helpful. Um, so our first question come, uh, is regarding chlorine and HCl. Um, you said that chlorine has been down a bit because of the industrial activity, and HCl has obviously been impacted by oil and gas as well. Um, do you plan to have any adjustment from the normal conversion rate of um, 35 to 7 percent? Yes, so we expect. Go ahead, Mark. Okay, I was going to say that we are expecting. We had said 40 percent was what we had thought we would be at for chlorine conversion to HCl. We now think it's going to be around 30 percent, and uh, so you know that is kind of the uh, the reduction that we're forecasting right now based on <clears throat> reduced demand industrially and from the fracking so even though we had diversified away from the fracking industry 
we still had, you know, uh, a fair bit of amount of going into fracking, and now we see that even dropping to maybe 25%. So uh, 30, 25 to 30% for now. Yeah. All right. Um, and uh, regarding uh, coming back to the caustic soda in Northeast Asia, um, we've seen that uh, with, uh, domestic price in China cause uh, more exports to buy, and also the automatic uh, auto manufacturing plants are coming back in China, which can boost the uh, chlorine uh, usage. So, do you think this can make um, it can re result in more supply in the export market and probably driving down the caustic price? You know, is is we don't you know. I guess that's the uh, is is the question there too is what happens to the uh, aluminum producers and other caustic demand within China? Is right now the the views seem to be that caustic demand is actually held over there more than the chlorine derivatives. So there's been an upward pressure on caustic pricing, which, as you know, is good for us. Yeah. But um, if I'm leery, frankly, to forecast supply-demand characteristics in North America, I'm even more leery to forecast them in Asia. I can just add one thing to that. If you, you mentioned the automotive industry. So as far as we know, actually, that uh, automotive industry uses slightly more caustic than chlorine. So, you know, it's somewhat balanced, but if you're going to go, it actually takes a bit more conflict. So, you know, if that industry picks up, it should be actually slightly positive. I see. Very helpful. Thank you. And uh, maybe just switching here to SPPC. Um, is, the, uh, is the region asset uh, prorated with the refinery utilization rate so that if you see refinery going down by 35%, region will also go down by the same amount? Yeah, yes, um, and I'm just pausing because, you know, that, that's a really good wrapper of a statement, but the other statement is that, is that uh, generally specific refineries uh, spent acid goes to specific of our regen plants. So, so and, and most of our regen plants, don't just get product from one refinery, right? So if all of the refineries that were served by a particular plant go down 35%, you know, probably, you know, their alkylate production goes down by 35%, probably their regen, product, uh, regen production goes down. But a little bit of a mix and match, right? I see. Um, maybe just the last question regarding the Richmond turnaround. So I assume that you postponed the small turnaround in Q1 and that in turn can delay the Q4 big turnaround as well. Is there any, have you heard anything from the big uh, refiners that uh, you schedule a turnaround with? We still think that Q4, we're still planning on that Q4 turnaround happening. They, the refinery really needs to make it happen and, and we keep planning on, on that to happen. So I'm pretty sure that one happens. Some of the other ones I'm more concerned about. All right, thank you very much. That's all for me. Thanks. And just a reminder, in order to ask a question, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes line of Ben Isaacson of Scotiabank. Your line is open. Thank you. Um, first question is on the debt covenants. Can you just talk about 
what those old covenants uh, were and what the new ones are? Sure. So the two key covenants are uh, that senior debt to EBITDA. As a reminder, senior debt excludes our convertible debentures, so it's really our bank debt. And then the other one is uh, an earnings uh, and interest coverage. Uh, and, and again, as a reminder, our entire previous credit agreement is on SADAR. It's unredacted. It was posted in about April of 2017. Uh, the covenant uh, for the debt to EBITDA, which is the main one, was 421. And it was, in, it was meant to step down to 3.75 at the end of the year. And now we've, uh, we'll be posting our, our amendment uh, shortly, but you will see that the allowable covenant is over five times. Uh, we, you know, I've always been prudent and we like to have ample room. We don't want to ever get squeezed or get even anywhere near cl close to, to our uh, covenant. We try and have at least a one-turn room or, or near one-turn room in it. So you will see that, that uh, you'll see the covenant step up and then you will see it gradually step down over the next couple of years. And the interest coverage? The interest coverage uh, goes from three to two and a quarter and then slowly steps back up to three over the next couple of years. Great, thank you. Um, my next question is on the sensitivity of your maintenance capex. If you are not able to spend it, can you talk about how low the reliability of the plants can go? No. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be broad, but it, it is, it is, we're, we're doing work as we can to actually make sure our plants uh, stay reliable. Is, is there, there's, I, look, most of our turnarounds, I believe, are going to happen. Okay. And we're gonna and we're gonna fix the most important things. Is we we share the concern because um, we're concerned, right? Is yeah. is the more people you have on site are the more potential spreaders of 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 the virus. And to the extent that we can minimize that, we will. But we still want to do the work. So. I suspect most of our work is going to get done. Uh, some of it might get pushed, but our concern is finding contractors. Got it. That's helpful. And then um, last question is, if you could just bridge your outlook of uh, stable caustic pricing for the remainder of the year, roughly, to your optimism uh, longer term, and kind of is, is that going to be demand-driven? I mean, what are you looking for in, in that bridge from stability yeah. to more Optimal. Yeah. So, so if if, if you if you remember right, is that so? X COVID uh, is the general statement: this caustic demand grows by GDP every year, and there's been no new capacity announced, right? So, the so the, the macro thesis of all the market experts has been as demand continues to grow is, you know, supply demand gets tighter and tighter and pricing goes up and the pricing that Caustic has to reach um, to justify reinvestment economics is hundreds of dollars above where Caustic is currently selling for. Uh, so, if you looked, you know, and frankly, I don't have it in front of me, but if you looked on our on our website, I think in January of our latest business update is we actually show IHS's forecast 
this was from January, of actually price increases for the next, expected for the next, I think, five years. And by memory, I think it, it was supposed to go up by $50 or something like that, you know, uh, in 2021, and then by maybe another $200 over the next number of years. So I'm looking at, you know, I'm, 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 I'm cosmically uh, discerning, <laughs> nod, nodding at my statements. So a, a big, big generic statement is if you took that forecast from January and look, because everyone needs to redo stuff from then is, but when the world stabilizes again, there's arguably $300 million US, $300 US of price increase on caustic over 220,000 tons of production. That, that's kind of the, the carrot out there. Okay, and then just to follow up, just, just to come back to the debt covenants, can you just tell me what the net debt to EBITDA covenant metric was at the end of the uh, quarter, please? Sure. We were at about uh, 3.3 uh, 3 times. And that's an LTM? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an LTM, yeah. So, right. so I, should point, I should point out one other thing is that most of our debt is in U.S. dollars. So on an LTM basis, a lower Canadian dollar helps us. But when there are spikes in the exchange rate like they were at the end of Q1, our debt gets converted at the spot rate, whereas EBITDA stays obviously at its historic rate. So over time, that's beneficial, but uh, our covenant actually went up in Q1 because the EBITDA didn't have the benefit of the low Canadian dollar, whereas our debt took the entire hurt of the lower Canadian dollar. Yes, on an LTM basis, it actually hurts us if it goes up suddenly at, at, at when, you, when you get the full year of a lower exchange rate than it's beneficial for us. Understood. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. And your next question comes from David Newman of Desjardins. Your line is open. All right, just a brief follow-up here on the ultra poor. Um, so you didn't comment on... Um, the demand and uh, pricing for ultra-poor in F1Q, but what do you expect for the rest of the year? Is it still strong like what we've seen in 2019? Yes. Is, there's, is the there's the, And look, is if, if we want to get the, the, the next, because you know, we look at these things, the next possible upside for us is there's a whole bunch of, again, press in the U.S. about wanting to onshore more chip makers. And as some of you know is you know, we have a large market share of actually ultra pure acid. And if you start onshoring more chip makers is we'd like to be their partners to provide them with, uh, with the extra ultra pure acid they require. So should be good for the rest of the year. Very good. Um, and for specialty chemicals on the WSSC side, uh, what do you expect for sodium nitrite and KCL for the rest of the year? We know that uh, P2S5 is going to be impacted by automotive. But uh, what about the other two? Both of those guys should be pretty stable uh, from where they were, Rohit, I think. Yeah, I think sodium nitride may be down a little bit because of it, some of it goes into automotive, but it's such a small percentage that it probably goes with flat. Thank you very much. That's all for me. Thanks. I have no further questions in the queue. I turn the call back to the presenters for any closing remarks. Good. Well, thank you all for joining us. For those of you that are interested, as we are having our virtual AGM um, uh, 
uh, on uh, Friday, but I could assure you that we won't be saying anything there that you haven't heard today. So uh, feel free to join us, and everyone stay healthy and well, and we'll see you next quarter. Thanks. And this concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.